The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Don Benison Recording Studio in Allenton Bywater. For more information, visit donbenison.com or email info at donbenison.com. Hi and welcome to episode 7 of the Mighty Whites podcast. Uh, we're back to a full contingent, so I'm joined by Connie. Now then. And returning to the podcast after his one game ban for incendiary comments towards Michael Brown, we have KC. Now then. Right, well, it's going to be a bit weird because the international break has, and some work commitments have thrown his recording schedule off a little bit. So as first games that we talk about are going to be quite a while ago. So uh, the first game after the last podcast was the 2-2 draw away at Burnley, winning on penalties. Uh, KC, the only one that got it right, it'd be a draw. He had 1-1. Uh, I thought it was a pretty decent performance. Uh, what did you guys reckon? Yeah, um, I think we all said before that we wouldn't have been too bothered if we'd have gone out. Um, we picked a week and uh, squad, not the weakest we could have gone for, but still, um, we managed to get through in the end. So I, I've said all along, me personally, and I'm sure you to a degree, that if um, we're progressing in tournament as you know, with as basically as reserve team, then happy days gives them a bit of game time. If we get through, great. If not, then yeah, we're best out of it anyway, in theory. But yeah, all in all, good result. Good Premiership team now, so yeah. And we got to get one over on Wood and Taylor, which is always quite nice. And I know we were kind of going into it saying, well, we're not really that fussed about Chris Wood. Um, it's quite nice to see Charlie Taylor getting knocked about a little bit and put back in his place. In fact, I'm pretty sure at one point j got put him back on the subs bench for Burnley. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, it was a very it was a very nice performance. Um, we played very well. Seeing how Hernandez was, it was absolutely fantastic. Just showed his real quality there towards the end of normal time. Um, I think we fully deserved the win. Yeah, no, I thought that we were very good in this game. It was a uh, just as we've mentioned, Chris Wood. He's come out in the press saying that it was all he wasn't allowed to play anyway because forbid had been accepted. Which is what we all assumed if he wouldn't have been a moron and tweeted otherwise in the first place. But uh, no, but I've you saying Hernandez really made a difference when he came on. I mean, first touch at ball, great through ball for Sacco. Yeah. And one thing I would say, I wrote a thing on it. Do you? F- he's never going to be in the first eleven or anything. But has that performance kind of saved Hadi Sacco's Leeds United career? I'd say yeah. I know it was at fault for their uh, what led to their equaliser. I know that, but I think up to then, and obviously he got his goal as well. I think up to then, it will it, it, for me. It was a good performance from him. Um, he didn't do all wrong uh, up until obviously that near end. So for me, I think it's as you say. I won't have him anywhere near starting 11 or out like that but in some games where you know we're looking to rotate maybe bench or something like that you know like now I suppose if you know if we picked up knocks on international duties it is an option isn't it one thing I've grown to associate with Hadi Sacco is on my football manager save when we're in the Premier League and he's actually gotten relatively good is that he will burst down the right hand side and he can be on the touchline and that man is shooting <laughs> I have I did, like and I'm screaming like it's 2022 and he still can't square the ball but um, <laughs> uh, you know at, 
he is a good option to have, especially on the bench with his pace. Um, if he can ever get his decision making right, he he would be a very dangerous player at this level. Um, you never know. It, it, depending on what happens in January, maybe a loan spell out somewhere might do him some good to get him regular first team football because he still never really he wasn't getting that last season either. So maybe he just needs a good run of first team football to kind of help out with that. But yeah, he did, on the whole, he did well. I think in this league as well, you can kind of get away with it with his pace. Um, you don't have to be, you know, the most technically gifted player going. Um, the in this the FIFA logic. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And it is that on the new FIFA, by the way, he just kicks and runs. You won't catch him. Um, but in this league, you can get away with it to an extent. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I'd say he's, he's, he's gone back up and I'd say in quite a few people's estimation after that, despite the stupid error, but that could have been anyone. Yeah, we've seen his fair share of stupid errors over these games, but we won't dwell on them nah. too much. Uh, I, th- I thought it was a bit interesting seeing Grot play on his own up front. I know he's very raw, but I don't think he's going to be ready this season. No, definitely not. He's, uh, and he's, he's got something about him, but I just don't see it being the case this year. I'm sure he'll come good, because I've, I've got reason to trust Otter, But uh, But when all said and done, is, is he 19, 20? 19. You know, he's in a new country, new league, he's, he's made a big step up in all fairness, in expectations of what's expected of him from club, from fans. So uh, I, I think anything that we get from Grot this season is just a bonus for me. Hmm. Obviously, it was a great result beating Burnley. I mean, we needed we needed to bounce back really because obviously the previous game to this was Millwall. Yeah, and it and we'd awful. been absolutely awful. Yeah. So it really did us a lot of good and got. I think it got a lot more confidence in in the camp, which showed for one of the next three games. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the the one it did show for three two win at home to Ipswich. Uh, wasn't a classic performance. We were a bit. It was a bit weird how we'd play well for like five minutes and then badly for ten minutes. Like we played well until we scored, then completely switched off. They equalised. So after it was a very bitty performance, but I feel we, I genuinely think we showed enough going forward to deserve the win. Uh, Lasaga first, and Phillips, and uh, own goal from Bialkowski, goalkeeper, <laughs> uh, who we were taking the piss out of before. Uh, I do, I do believe. <laughs> No, sorry. It's coming straight at my chest, punch it away. <laughs> Get rid of it. Oh, catching this. <laughs> I do believe Hernandez that he was going for goal. Because he's done it, he's tried it mm. three or four times. Yeah. And I think it just worked out. But I've, it was a very interesting performance. It was one of the most suspect. It was the start of the uh, suspect defending that we'd see in the next couple. But uh, overall, what did you reckon to Ipswich game? Me, uh, yeah, going forward, great. Um, when McGoldrick scored for them, it zero marking. Yeah, you can't even say it, you can't even call it marking. It would just would seem to resort to you know previous spells where a ball into the box just caused mayhem, and you know you're talking about a player here in McGoldrick that scored goals in this league for years now, and for him, don't get me wrong, it, it were a good header, and I know Vaidvald got a bit of stick for it and for me it you know when when you're left unmarked and you're 10 yards out you should be hitting back at net and a player like that always will um but I think going forward like as you say we deserve win um and Ipswich are a good team you know they're still 
they were thereabouts, aren't they? You know, knocking around playoff places, and they've got a good manager in McCarthy. So, yeah, we keep saying it, but I don't think it matters how you get the three points, just so long as you do. Yeah. I wonder if at this point, you know, at the start of the season when Christensen came in and he looked at them defending set pieces in training, and he was just wondering, just shout, Pontus, why are you not marking anyone? <laughs> just like, I, I just win the headers. That's what happens. Like, no, 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 we're going to learn to mark. And it's got to a point in the season now where Ponce there going, I told you, just just let me head it away. Leave defending to everyone else. I'll deal with the corners. So what we're saying here is just give him a free roll, but just in our area. Well, to be yeah. honest, for most, of, for most of the season, they have been giving Jansen that same free roll. They yeah. have kept it going. Because, I mean, we said in the pre-season podcast, one of the things we needed to keep was that Monk and Clotet had finally managed to roughly sort out defending corners. I think a lot of that, though, came... I mean, obviously, yeah, they they will have had a major input, but I think a lot of that came from the partnership that was struck up between Bartley and Janssen. I mean, with best will it will to Cooper this year, he's been, he's been spot on, but he's not as a commanding presence as Kyle Bartley, or no. as he was last year, and when you've got him and Janssen in there, I think it kind of rubs off on everyone else, whereas now you've kind of lost that to an extent that's no detriment to Liam Cooper but I do think a lot of that stemmed from Kyle Bartley and Janssen bouncing off each other that and if, if you look at the way our defence has had to be formed since the start of the season you'd imagine the last couple of weeks of pre-season was focused on uh, Cooper and Pennington mm. because of Pontus being out then Pennington get injured so Shaughnessy's in and since then we have had this rotation of any of those four coming in and we've we've yet to really have a, a proper run of just these are our two defenders this is what we're sticking with now and I think I with the way it's set it would ideally be Jansen and Cooper but they've still yet to have a good run of games together I don't think to form a, a stronger partnership as it could be well I was going to bring this up later but we may as well do it now because uh, you're saying it'd be Janssen and Cooper. I think it'll be Janssen and Pennington when everyone is fully fit. I, I I don't think that Pennington has been sent on loan to a championship club to not be first choice. And as much as I like and Cooper's had a great season, we'll come on to the Cardiff game where obviously he was absolutely abysmal and he knows it. He apologised after the game. But I genuinely think that when everyone's fit, the two that he'll go with are Janssen and Pennington. And it's sort of, it's tough, but I think that'd be the two I went with as well. I think before the ball were kicked, you'd have said them two, definitely. Um, and again, you know, Cooper's captain and he's, you know, up until the last couple of games, he's been, he's hardly put a foot wrong. But I can't see Everton loaning out one of the, you know, best prospects to come to a big club in championship and be sat on bench every week I think the whole point of sending someone like Pennington into Leeds is, is you know he's playing for a big club he's playing in front of decent crowds there is an expectation there in this league it's not like he's going to go somewhere you know middle of the road and just be able to coast by so yeah I think I'd have to go with you and uh, Jack and say when everyone's there and everyone's fit Janssen and Pennington I'm quite big on just playing whoever's in form and like you say with the form Cooper's been in and depending on how he is once he's recovered 
um, you know, once we've got a fully fit back four again, I I, I would stick with Janssen and Cooper for now. Um, and I think it's just down to them basically to keep their spot. Um, with how Cooper is kind of thought of in the dressing room and how everyone speaks about him, I would quite like to see him on the field more. But again, his form kind of dictates that. So I pretty much make... Obviously, Janssen is the one that's always going to be starting if he's available. And I just think that position at the moment should now be Cooper's to lose. Well, there's an argument that he did lose it against Cardiff. Yeah. I mean, he completely lost it. I mean, I, I would I would never judge someone fully on one performance, don't get me wrong. But I I mean well we'll come on to it now. Three one defeat away at Cardiff. Uh we all got this wrong because I think I had a draw and I think you both had us to win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Roof with the goal heavily deflected in second half. But the first half performance was absolutely abject. There's no other way to describe it. And in particular, Liam Cooper, who I don't know what he was thinking, and to be fair to him, he didn't either by the look of what he said on Twitter. Uh, it was the second yellow card that really bugged me. Because he was about an he was a 80-20 favourite for that ball, and he slowed right down and then took him out. I think that he slowed down so that he could get the ball and the man and try and G everyone up. And then he missed, and then he slowed, after he'd slowed down, he then mistimed it. And he had to go. It was a shocking piece of decision making. But even if you take out Cooper's performance, we were just poor all over the field, really. The, the thing that annoyed me with the Liam Cooper thing was um, I, I played centre half and I, I was sat watching it with my dad. And um, the minute he did it, he almost like. He almost like missed a step. You could see him kind of all back a little bit. And the minute he did that, I, I said straight away, and to be fair, my dad said the same, he says, what's he doing? He'd have got that ball. He, he could have got that ball, made a clean tackle, everything would have been all right. Now, I'm not saying him staying up pitch would have changed the result because, as you've just said, it would have been god-awful from everyone. But when you're captain and you go and you make such a poor couple of decisions because the two yellow cards weren't that far apart either were they no they weren't so you, you know when you're captain you know if you get booked fair enough you, I, I will never ever have a go at a defender for getting booked for trying to tackle someone fair enough but when you've just been yellow carded and you bring it on yourself it's just been bit, and as for the performance from the rest of them in first half it just kind of took you back to GFH days you know it were like they conceded a goal and just Asses fell out, you know, edge dropped and asses fell out. It were a bit worrying, really. Obviously, this game was incredibly frustrating for me personally because as I banged on about on Twitter, a lot of you will have seen it, I was in Amsterdam. And I uh, I couldn't find any bars that were showing the game because everyone was showing the Champions League games. So me and my unfortunate girlfriend had to sit in the hotel room <laughs> while I found a slightly dodgy stream and watched it in the hotel room so I was just it was not only was it such a bad performance but it also ruined an evening of my holiday <laughs> to be fair you know I, I genuinely do sympathise with you on that one I went up to as I've said I went up to go watch it with my dad and um, it's about a 10-15 minute car journey I was pissed off that I'd made that car journey so I can <laughs> only imagine what you were like <laughs> 
The other thing is, with the time difference to Amsterdam, it meant that most of restaurants were shut. So me and our lass actually ended up in a burger joint in middle at Red Light District with two hookers opposite us at eye level just staring at us. Every cloud. Which, you know, <laughs> was at least interesting. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you added the uh, sat across from us bit. Because you, if you'd have just left out at a burger joint with two hookers, it's a very <laughs> different story. Yeah, it'd probably been a better story. It was a... In fairness, though, the, uh, there was a guy trying to get in to have an argument with the prostitutes while we were sat in this burger joint. And they had a, a bouncer there that managed to get rid of them. So the one thing that I can say is that the hooker's defence was better than ours that night. Hey. Hey. And speak, speaking of Leeds being shite at defending, Sheffield Wednesday 3, Leeds United 0. Oh, this was worse than Cardiff, this. I thought. Yeah, again, it was just so abject. And the, the more annoying thing about this one was... For the first 15, 20 minutes, we were a better team. Yeah. But by a long way. And, you know, fair enough, you, you can live with them not capitalising on that. You can live with that. It happens at this level. It happens in Premier League. But, you know, just for them to go downhill, it was almost like the nosedived. It was just, you know, everything from back to front. I mean, I felt a bit sorry for front men because... They were feeding off scraps. No, it, I thought Lasaga did fine with yeah. no service. Uh, in, in player ratings, the only people that got over a five were Lasaga and Size. Yeah, I but mean, to be honest, if I'd have written that player ratings article after twenty minutes, Size would have got a nine and a half because it was brilliant. It was class, and <laughs> they couldn't get near him. But it just the way they were feeding balls up towards them too, especially to Lasaga. It just reminded me of like the football we were playing when we had McCormack up front, just hoofing hopeful balls. There were no direction towards it. There were just nothing. It were just hoofing balls up, in, just in hope more than out. And even when Lasaga managed to get older one and bring it down, I mean, you know, size were trying, but there were no one within 10 yards of him and it were just getting crowded out by what is a good defence in this league, whether, again, I said it before, whether people like it or not. Chef Wednesday were a good team in this league. Yeah, KC um, got kind of lucky with this because due to time difference it was at about half past four in the morning he had work so am I right in thinking you never actually saw this game KC? No no, I've not seen any of it I couldn't tell you what any of the Wednesday goals looked like how we performed I woke up went straight on to live score lost 3-0 brilliant well done right off to work <laughs> and, yeah. and that was pretty much my dealings with the Sheffield Wednesday game well, I wish I'd had the same dealings because uh, me and Connie went to the pub to watch it uh, first thing Sunday and it would have been ba- it would have been bad enough that I was also monumentally hungover. Yeah, uh, yeah you were. <laughs> shout out to little Danny Hall for uh, dragging me out right. to the extent that I ended up in winter scene for, in Escape for the first time in years and years. <laughs> uh, so yeah, cheers little Danny. Uh, but basically, there's a couple of things from that performance. One, Yunan O'Kane had the single worst game I've seen him having a Legion United shirt. Yeah. He, was, I, I get, he got a 3 out of 10, which is the lowest rating I've ever given. <laughs> uh, but it turns out he was playing with a, like a cracked rib or something mm-hmm. and had apparently been ill on top of that. So it gives him a bit of mitigating circumstances, but my question is, why the fuck was he playing then? Thank you. And this isn't the first time me and you have had this conversation. Um, the cup game. Vernon and Eater. Yeah. Against Newport. He wasn't He wasn't right. And everyone in the crowd were getting on at him. And don't get me wrong, it was an awful performance. But if he's gone in there at half-time, 
even if he's not said anything, it's you know the, the his, his medical team should be looking and picking something up on this. Surely, yeah, he could he couldn't run, and then we, then this comes to light with Ewan and O'Kane. It just you know I'm all for and I'm fully behind the regime that's there at the moment, but I think this is second time now that we've heard something like this and. You know, midfield especially, we've got plenty of options there. Mm. You've got Ronaldo Vieira sat on bench. If O'Kane's not right, fair enough. Play someone who wins. We've got plenty of midfielders that can go there. So, yeah, that's a bit of a worry. Yeah, the way I phrased it, because normally on that play ratings article, on Through It All Together, which is a website you should all visit, by the way, uh, and the podcast will be on there as well. Uh, with the midfield, and it's the only time that I've ever bothered putting the manager in the play ratings. I put him in because it seemed a little bit Gary Monk to me. He had one idea for that game and just refused to change it even when it clearly wasn't working. And don't don't get it twisted, I'm not joining... Because I did see... I I don't actually use Facebook, but that LUFC on Facebook posted some of the screenshots on Twitter and I did see idiots going, oh yeah, we need to sack Christensen or we're going to get relegated and stuff like that. So obviously... I'm not like that, but it was a it wasn't a good managerial performance from his head coach. Yeah. But the the main talking point out of that game over all forms of social media, uh, especially after the first goal, he got blamed for the first two goals. Personally, I don't think he was at fault for the second one. No. But Felix Viedvald. I mean, for the first goal, he was limp wristed, awful, like Silvestri at his worst. He was terrible for that and there's no doubt that the defence at the minute doesn't look as if it's got all that much confidence in him it, it, no. you can see it on the faces but the main thing from this and I've seen a few people talking about it some people saying that he definitely should but the main thing is would you drop Felix Viedvald? It's something worth thinking about I mean you just look in, in three games we, con- we ship nine goals I know it's, that's not all down to him but Good maths can say three plus three plus two is eight. <laughs> oh, so, sorry, I'm sorry, I got the scores the wrong way around. So I'm just looking at it on the screen here. <laughs> Still though, just go with it. Maths was—I want to say maths was never my strong subject, but in my GCSEs, it was. Um, still not can't good. Say, some, it doesn't make it a strong subject if you just worse at all the others. <laughs> <laughs> Stronger. There we go. <laughs> Um, still, I mean, as as a team going for promotion, then eight goals in three games is is not good. Like I, you know, I could fully understand as losing to the likes of Wednesday and Cardiff by the odd goal. But you know, in in just those two games against teams we're meant to be vying for promotion with, you know, just against those two, six goals is is poor, and. You look at the fact we have someone like Andy Lonergan in who is by no means spectacular, but he's experienced. He you know, played for us before, looks completely fine. Um, at what point do we kind of look and go, "All right, we you know we need to give him a run because this just isn't sustainable for promotion." I'd have to disagree with you on that and to be honest um yep yeah, i agree he's not been great last couple of games but i'm very much of the opinion of barring the odd you know personal clangor um you've got to get through 10 other players before you get to goalkeeper 
Um, I don't think he's been helped by defence last couple of games. Um, the only the only thing that I have with uh, with Eidveld is, and again, Jack, me and you have discussed this. Is his set pieces again? He seems to kind of pin himself to a to a man, and he almost like obstructs himself being able to get in and get to the ball, be it punch it away, catch it, whatever he wants to do. But to me, you know, a goalie should be coming out, and if one of our players gets a cracking head off of him trying to get to it, tough luck. It's his area; he should command it. But I think in terms of actual shot stopping and everything else. I don't think he's done much wrong. I mean, yeah, the last two games would suggest otherwise, but, you know, he's come from Germany. He was number one at Werder Bremen. He's no mug. Um, Obviously, I agree with you on point, Casey, where it's not sustainable, obviously. But I think if we were to turn around now or the next couple of weeks and drop him, I just think his confidence would go through the floor. Uh, I, don't, I just don't think it'd do him any good at all. Um, so for me, I'd, I'd I'd stick with him for now. It's a tough one because I mean we saw it a couple of years ago with Joe Hart at Man City when he was going through that rough patch, and there was a lot of talk then around, um, you know, do you let goalkeep do you give goalkeepers time to play their way back into form, or you know, do you drop them because? You know, you can drop a striker who's not in form and kind of no one really bats an eyelid. You know, you can point out a striker doesn't score in six games and you say, yeah, they probably should be dropped. But it is such a big statement to drop a goalkeeper. And like I said, I, you know, I would probably stick with him for now. But, you know, it is a tough call for Christiansen to make because uh, it, it does send a big statement out if you're dropping your goalkeeper. The thing is with, um, I mean, you mentioned Joe Hart then. Uh, there is an argument to say, yeah, I, I know he got back in team for a brief spell, but he's never really recovered from that for me as Joe Hart. Uh, you look at him last couple of years and that, and, you know, for me, it, it just, uh, yeah, it, like I say, played his way back in, but he, he was never right for me after that. Is that been the goalie that he was before it? And my worry is, is that for the main... We've got a decent goal here in Weidveld and I just think that, as you say, it is a tough one for Christiansen and I won't like to have to make the call, but I just my worry would be that we're going to take a decent goalie who's clearly a little bit shaky at the moment, anyone would be, but I just think doing it now or doing it in the next couple of weeks... And I think, I think his arse would just fall out, to be honest. I, just, I, I don't know, but it, it, it's a tough one. It's... I guess that's why Christiansen's paid to manage the team and we are. Yeah, I have to say, I'm with Connie on this in that I wouldn't do it. I, if he does it, I won't be mad. No, I'll, I, I'll I, see why. I yeah. can understand why he's done it, but personally I wouldn't drop him either. It's similar reasons as well. Yeah. He's been brought in to be the first-choice goalkeeper. And, I mean, when you look at the last games, the Cardiff ones, it wasn't great, but I don't really think that they were his fault. Their second goal, I don't care. I know that, in goal, it yeah, was going in. I know that Sky kept blaming him and saying that he wasn't going to get to That ball went right in corner, good finish. Yeah. Uh, against Ipswich, their second goal was goal his fault. Fix. Oh, no, sorry. Yes, the one yes. where he, he parried it out into the middle of the box, that yes. was his fault. And I only think he's at fault for the first goal against Chef Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, but even it, So he's, he is out of form, but I just don't think you can drop him yet. 
He makes a couple more mistakes that are real clangers. I mean, we didn't drop Rob Green last season and he made more mistakes than that in, in the early season. Early season, I can off the top of my head, I can think of nine points that he cost. Don't get me wrong, as you say. Second half of the season, he was probably the best keeper in the league. Probably saved us 12 points since second <laughs> half of the season. But, and this is the kind of thing that I'm glad you've brought that up because, you know, if we'd have dropped Rob Green and brought Silvestri back in after he had that performance against Norwich in Cup, Rob Green, had a, his confidence had have fallen through the floor. And would we have had as good a season as what we had? Mm. You know, because you look at Rob Green, he's a good goalkeeper. I think he's left Ellen Road now and everyone kind of wishes him well. Um, you know, yeah, he's he had a ropey start. So up to, up to press, Fadwell hasn't had a ropey start. You know, we're, we're talking about a goal here who didn't concede for Christ knows how long. Like six clay sheets in a row with Captain Lee. Like that, wasn't it? You know, so. And yeah, admittedly, most of that was on the rest of the team rather than him. Yeah. But. That goes for, but if you're saying, well, he didn't concede because he didn't have much to do, you kind Never of also did. have to give him the, well, clearly the rest of the team isn't playing as well now either. Exactly. You can't have it both ways. This is where I come back to my point, and it could be a bit of a blinkered view that some people might see it as, but to me, your goalkeeper is your last line of defence. Your goalkeeper is, you know, when you're kind of clutching at straws in most, in most aspects to me, and they've got to get through at least a central midfield and a line of defence before they get anywhere near that goal. You know, Barrett, I think the only goal, you know, where you can kind of take that out of the equation is um, Cardiff's second. Mm. You know, the, I don't care. I've just said, you know, I don't care who would in goal that were going in. But, yeah, I'd, I'd, you've got to stick with him for me for at least a good few more games, yeah. you know, and play it from there. Well, there'll always be, like, I mean, we'll come on to other positions when we preview the other games and what we change, what we wouldn't change. Uh, but we'll go through the bits of news. There's not all that much. A uh, quick one that happened earlier today, uh, Tamani Diagorag has gone to Plymouth. I'm glad he's got a League One club, not a League Two club, because he's is better than that. Yeah. I'm sure he'll do fine. Good for him. I'm, I'm happy for him. That's, that's pretty much all I can say. I can't remember. I don't know if I ever actually saw him play. Um, I, I don't know if he was ever in the team when I was back. Did you go to many of the Steve Evans games when you were back that winter? Because he played a lot a that season. Yeah, when he first came in, he didn't team quite a bit, wasn't he? I think you probably did. Scored against Bolton and that, and all, didn't he, in FA Cup and that. Yeah. He, he, he didn't team quite a bit, so you, you probably will have done at some point. Uh, but onto... no, He left a lasting legacy with me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> On to more, we'll start with the on-field stuff. Uh, Connor Shaughnessy, new four-year contract. Good. Good, everyone will be pleased with that. The more they watch him, the more I think, how did anyone think he was a centre-mid and not a centre-back to begin with? Yeah. His I'm... passing is, is, I mean, obviously the, the through ball for Lasaga's goal against Ipswich was brilliant. Yeah. It was, but for the most part, he doesn't. when you watch him play, he doesn't strike you as a midfielder. Oh no, his technique and everything. I mean, I know we're saying that that ball through for Lasaga were quality, but in general, his technique it, it is the technique of a centre half. Yeah, and his build and his yeah, everything, everything about him is centre half. Um, I think Reddit have missed a trick with him, to be honest. For yeah. this level, I do. Yeah, I think he's been brilliant, and uh, he really deserves it. He's got a real shot. Mm. Yeah, he's been brilliant since uh, since basically ripping 
uh, a shirt off someone's back in that Bolton game. Pretty much since that moment, he's been fine. In all fairness, when you do that to Gavin Medina, we're just quite impressed he didn't end up with a broken jaw. He has got previous. Yeah. In fact, I think he's got two lots of previous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anytime he's come in, he, he's he's looked very comfortable there. And, you know, at his age, it's good to have him tied down to a four-year deal. Hopefully, we get to see him a bit more throughout the season. Uh, you know, I'm happy for him to kind of come in for a couple of games here and there and then make a few sub appearances as well, just build up his experience. Um, but yeah, we, you know, a four-year contract, get him tied down. And if he keeps playing well when he comes in, give him another contract at the end of the season as well. Extend it. Just don't don't let it run out for four years. No. As it's four years, I think he'll be fine. I mean, if, he hasn't been so standout that we have to be terrified at Premier League clubs coming in and offering a load of money. To me, if he carries on where he's going, maybe give it a couple of years, and then when he gets down to two years, eighteen months on his contract, yeah. play it from play no, it by next there. week. Give it every two weeks. We say he's not Ross McCormack. That's to a Ross. Well, there's two things. One, uh, first one's off the field. Uh, I don't know how much the two of you have read into this, but uh, Ellen Road has been given asset of community value status. It was a. Uh, it's basically been sorted out by the trust who have uh, done some really good work with it. Uh, I've been looking into Obviously, you've got the usual people who complain about everything, saying it's a bad thing. Mm. But it basically means that the club can't just sell the ground off and stuff and make a fucking Tesco without going through the trust. The trust has to be given like an option to buy it. Not that the trust will have the money to buy a stadium or anything, mm-hmm. but it, it gives the club a bit of protection. And it gives the it gives the trust because obviously again like you just said they don't have the money, but it gives them all right. Let's go out find try and find an investor or something like someone who mm. would buy the ground instead. Um, it basically it protects us, and I can't. It's not something that you can see happening in the foreseeable future. Um, you know, especially with the work that's being done to Ellen Road at the moment. So it's clearly something that we're thinking about in the longer term. Um, but yeah, it just puts us in a in a, a slightly healthier position, which is good considering how things have been going at the moment. Everything's looking good, so it's another positive step. Yeah, it just it, it's another sign of stability behind the scenes as well. You know, stuff's been done right. We're not trying to put square pegs in round holes anymore. It's there's a bit of structure to it, and you know, it, stuff's been thought through. You know, it's we, we've had. 15 years of it now nearly plus you know of instability we've, we've not known if club's going to be here we've not you know we, we've seen so much go on and when you hear news like that I mean like I say it, it, if God forbid it did ever come to that it just it, it safeguards you a little bit you know the, like you've just said it, it gives you a bit of an option you know they can go out and try and do it we can't just kind of have it pulled from under his feet which is a nice position to be in after you know since 2003 yeah <laughs> if know, I remember rightly they have to give it basically gives us like six months yeah where if uh, if it goes up for market unless it's being sold to someone like the trust mm. they've got like six months to sort it and it also means that, like, it, it basically, it protects it from demolition. So it means that it had, you know, like when you see to let, but it has to be a shop. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Ellen Road has to be a football ground. Yeah. 
which is a really good thing to do. And it's been supported by the club itself as well. Yeah. Like Radrizani hasn't tried to weasel out of it. He's gone, no, it sounds like a good plan. And it just shows the difference. Yeah, if this had been Massimo that would have, you know, you, you could uh, you, you know, you, there would have been a bit of, um, yeah, there'd have been something underlying with it. You know, I think everyone had a, had a fair doubt about him over it, but... Yeah, it's it's as I've said. There's a bit of structure to the club now. There's there's some thought process behind decisions that are being taken out by everyone, and yeah, it's just it's it's a nice thing to see. You know, now we're coming up to 15 years now. We've had of instability and crisis after crisis. So it's it's just good to hear some you know another piece of good news coming out from behind scenes. Yeah, it appears that uh, like I think I've, I think it was Phil Hayes' piece on it. I think that said that like Anfield, Old Trafford, and St James's Park, the Newcastle one, not the Exeter one. Uh, I think go go with Exeter one. Come yeah, on, fuck it. It might be both. <laughs> I, it might be both. I don't know, but uh, I think they've all got the same thing. Yeah. So it's it's a very That's... good thing. I did see people complaining, going, "What? So the trust has to give their permission for any redevelopment? It doesn't mean sticking in five hundred seats or." Build it or changing your corporate box. It means knocking it down. Yeah, we're talking about yeah, just demolishing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we just ah oh well, give too much time to idiots. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the other piece of news it came out today actually. Uh, I don't think it, it hasn't been confirmed by Leeds yet. I don't think, but it has been confirmed at the Oxford end. Uh, Craig Dean, Oxford United's head scout, is moving to Leeds to become the and I quote head of emerging talent. Basically, a Neil Redfern then. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he does appear to have a pretty good reputation in football. He's worked a, a lot of places. Everything I've read on him has been positive. Apparently, Ferguson really liked him. Uh, <laughs> 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 as much as I don't like him, he was very good at his job. Uh, but he seemed to like him as well. So it's another good off-field move. Gives us something. I mean, obviously, we'll probably we won't know whether he's actually any good at being ahead of emerging talent for three or four years, really. Not only that, though, you'd like to think that if he's come from Oxford, you know, with Clotet, obviously, you know, if if he's caught wind that Leeds are interested in him, um, I dare say we'll have had a conversation with Clotet over it regarding us and mm. how we work and everything else. I mean, Clotet did have dealings with Adrizani obviously be it briefly he still had dealings with Adrizani and obviously he left club on good terms there were no you know bad blood about so you know you, you dare say that Clotet's turned around and said if you've got an opportunity to go to a club like that yeah. go to it and I don't I'd like to hope that he wouldn't you know send us a dud no also I don't think compensation's much for that kind of role no uh he apparently, I'm sure he'll report straight to Orta from what I read, yeah. uh, which is fair enough, really. But uh, now it's just more making sure that it's a long way from, you know, Redfern putting out the cones himself and running, <laughs> and running everything. We seem to be a lot more professionally run now. I'm glad we've just got someone in and all to look at um, more home-based Yeah, more talent. domestic stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I can't knock any of the signings that have been made by Orta or anyone else, but it's just nice to know that we're kind of planning for the future, but also looking at it from, you know, a little bit closer to home, you know, for the future, which, you know, it's what Leeds United are all about. They've 
you, you go back as far as you want to go. That's what they do. Yeah, the you academy's know. always been. Yeah, so it's nice to see that we're continuing that. It's been a big rebuilding process. I mean, if you think at the time of Bates coming in, we pretty much demolished our entire scouting system and kind of relied on Gwyn Williams' little black book of <laughs> agents that he knew and just scrapping around for free transfers and stuff like that. And occasionally we had a youngster coming through. So now it's it's good that, you know, over recent years we had, we've had a good run of bringing a few youngsters in and now, you know, we're kind of trying to strengthen that a little bit more. Um, even just bringing in someone like Connor Shaughnessy, you know, because he was... You know, how old was he when he joined us? Was he 18? He was 19? 18 and he'd basically been bombed out by Reading. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of clubs, especially in the Football League, are moved in that direction out looking at players who have dropped out from teams at 18, 19, 20 and bringing them in and, you know, trying to develop them at that stage. Well, uh, so we, speaking you, of speaking of that, like Huddersfield have closed, are closing their academy, aren't they? Yeah, that's a bit sad to see. Everything up to like, and they're just going to do that. They're just going to get 17 and 18 year olds. The thing is, though, with Huddersfield is, I mean, I dare say it for both of you two as well. When I were playing when I was a kid, um, if you ran into a scout, it was often a Huddersfield one, wasn't it? Yeah, it would normally Huddersfield, Sheffield United, or Middlesbrough, I seem to find. Um, And from what I heard, I mean, I I played with a lad where. um, again when I was younger um, and he ended up going to Woodersfield and he had nothing but good things to say about him um, again Leeds United fan but he, he had nothing but good things to say about him and he'll have been 13, 14 maybe and you know when you hear things like that I mean yeah it's great that you know players are going to be given or get the opportunity to go again but I think for the club, especially, you know, in Huddersfield town now that, you know, whether we like it or not, they're a Premier League club at the moment. And I just think you're in a league with such scrutiny and to just cut off the youngsters, I don't like sound of that. No, it doesn't sit right any club just not having an academy whatsoever. I'm sure that they've looked into it and think... That it, the, the resources they put in, it's not worth it. So, I mean, Chilino was on about doing the same thing for us, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, would have really pissed us off because we've got a much more successful academy than they do. I mean, I, mean, I will say as as a youth, you know, as a, a kid's football coach as well, like one of the big things for me is, uh, you know, I, I love working with kids. You know, I coach at the moment a group of eight and nine-year-olds. I'm coaching some 13 and 14-year-olds and it's great. But you can see... Like you look at Brentford and their success over the last few years, you know they closed their academy, started bringing in the these players that got released, and the money that, especially once you're in the football league, when you're not getting that TV money, you look at, um, you know how much you're spending on a, on your academy to try and bring in players when you're trying to compete with, you know the big te- you know the big teams in the Premier League who now have no restrictions really as to who they can go after then you kind of see why a few of these teams are like well we might as well close up let's not compete with them because it's costing us too much money to develop one player who might break into the first team let's bring in some players who have been uh, training with premier league clubs have got you know uh, have played a decent level u8 you know under 18 wise and then we can try and add a little bit more to their game and make them work for us. 
and it's sad that it's going that way but unfortunately you know i think that's a direction a lot of football league teams are going to start looking over the next few years i do think i, I agree with you on that case I, I, I do think there should be some sort of measures brought into play be it by fa or if UEFA wants to get involved because um like you say now we're seeing especially the premier league clubs they're taking kids from academies all over the world, never mind Europe or at home, you know, they're taking kids from all over. And I do think, I know we've got the tribunal case, and there's a, but it's very, there's a lot of loopholes in it, there's a lot of ways around stuff, and to me there needs to be some sort of measures brought in place to like safeguard next generation that are coming through. Um, I mean, we've seen it ourselves, you know, with um, Cook, Byron, Taylor, you know, Delph. We've seen it. We've seen it happen there. But I, I go back though to one thing though. You know, but to prove the point about academies, you touched on it briefly, uh, Casey, about Bates coming in and um, practically, you know, just snubbing any sort of you know scouting or you know academy sort of products. And if you if you actually sit and think about it, I know we had the batch that came through. You know, as we got relegated to Championship, the the Milners, the Lennons, the Kilgallens, you know, the Carsons. Um, but between sort of like 2006 and, you know, up to like Fabian Delph coming through, like 08 or 09, we didn't really have any academy products that really no. came through, did we? No, that was the years where we had a couple of one and two appearances. You like, say, your Simon Madden, Tom Elliott's, people like that. Yeah. I mean, Tom yeah. Elliott's done quite well for himself in the end. He has, but... he's forged out a decent career in league one but you know up until like you know since you know we had the likes of the lennons the milners and all that lot i mean we had the odd one that showed glimpses you know, walton i mean obviously injuries put uh, put paid to him but up until then it well when the likes of like your housens and your fabian delfs were coming through and ben parker you know and we didn't see anyone really come through between that point and we all know what happened <laughs> i'm yeah. not blaming that on it but you know i just think we brought a lot of players in who for the main didn't really give a toss about club it's and kind of weird because you say now it needs looking at the problem is that they only just did look at it yeah they're not going to change it soon because they only brought in uh eppp what three years ago something like that one because uh, yeah. it was they were on about doing it when i was at uni so it might be four years ago that it actually mm-hmm. came in but oh, i'm trying to i'm trying to channel my uh, uni work <laughs> and and that in itself is a it has been a problem that that you then you know i i, I could happily talk about this for a couple of hours yeah well can say you pro- you probably know better than me uh am i right in thinking that it's it's like a maximum like if you're higher category it's like 40 grand per year of development so it's something like that from 12 uh, to 16 obviously you can't do it once for 17 and have a poor contract so if you if you take this into account then right if if we're going off forty thousand pound then per year of development then. basically if let's say uh man united nicked a 16 year old kid off us yeah and he'd been there in fact i'll just google it one sec but, you know, when, I mean, when, when you're looking right. that up... Sorry, I've got it here. Oh, it literally put in EPPP rules that came up straight away. Right. Uh, if you're at an academy between the ages of 9 and 11, it's three grand a year. <laughs> and 12 to 16 is 12 and a half to 40 grand a year, depending on your academy status. So, so let's, basically, let's say that we, we're category two. Yeah. Which I think makes it like 30. 
So you'd be looking at, let's say we had a kid from nine years old. Mm. They'd have two years from nine to 11, it'd be six grand. And then four years at 30. So it's £126,000 would be the transfer fee for a 16-year-old kid. If he was going up to a Category 1 academy. And then it's plus, if he's played any first-team games, it's 25 grand for up to 10 appearances and then another 25, 10 to 20. So it costs fuck all, basically, for them to steal. If if he hadn't signed a pre-contact agreement, when Ryan Sessegnon got in Fulham team at 16 years old, a Premier League team could have signed him for a quarter of a million pounds. But then you think as well, and let's let's flip this round. And I know we're talking about you know like we're using examples you know from our our academy that we've lost for you know next to nothing. But when we got Fab Delph from Bradford, how old were he? Uh, he was about thirteen, fourteen. So Bradford will have got next to nothing. Well, that was before this system came in, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, sort of. it wouldn't have cost anything. That's you know, and you. I mean, you, you look at Fabian Delph now. He's he's got God knows how many caps for for his country. He's been in Premier League for years. He's won Premier League titles. He's you know, is a is a is a pretty solid, you know, is is a solid Premier League player. Um, and Bradford will be looking at that, you know, thinking, well, yeah, what what are we doing here? There does need to be something, you know. And it needs to be stuck to the... There can be no loopholes around it. It needs to be watertight to safeguard the clubs, you know, further down pyramid. Because yeah. if not, then what's the point? And you say 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 what we will about the England team, and we generally speak very negatively of them as the games at the weekend show. But if you kind of look at where the players have come from, like where they were developed... I, and I, I couldn't tell you exactly for the latest England squad, but I know the last time I checked, it was a good mix between players de- developed at Premier League academies and Football League academies. And yet we've devised this system that kind of benefits the top 10 teams in the Premier League who have got a good wage budget so they can stockpile all these youngsters. 99.9% of them will never make anything. Whereas if you have a, a good youngster who is playing at, you know, just, again, just picking a team off. We, you know, we were talking about Pep, Pep earlier, at Oxford. He's got a chance where, yes, the facilities aren't as good. Yes, the coaches probably aren't as good. But that kid actually has a realistic chance of playing for them and developing, getting some good game time in a team he actually belongs to, working his way up and then, you know, hopefully if he's any good, working their way up. Whereas you see so many players at Chelsea, Man United, Man City, they, they can have the nicest facilities in the world. Chances are they are not going to progress to that to their first teams. No, you know, I was, uh, we're, we're in this sad state now where these kids were, it might be great, you know, oh, you know I play for Man City's Academy, I play in front of this, you know, little 5,000-seater stadium. I, it doesn't, at this point, it kind of doesn't mean anything, it, that, which is sad. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things because I was just having a look. One of the other things is without anyone from a Category A academy can go to any other training ground and watch a player with 48 hours' notice. And if I think he's any good, they can sign him for them fixed fees. So it's that bit, I, I wasn't even aware of that bit. Uh, it, I thought it was interesting earlier that Casey said Brentford and after Huddersfield because a lot is to do with catchment area. Right. Like Brentford. Screwed because look at all clubs around them. Yeah, all London clubs that yeah. are bigger than them, they're knackered, and the same kind of happens with Huddersfield. 
because oh, they've yeah. got well, I mean, they've got us, but they've got the Manchester clubs just over, over oh, yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, they have, yeah. They're bang in the middle, aren't they? Yeah. But you know when uh, when Casey was saying not progressing to first team, mm. uh, I'm trying, you weren't there. It was me and KC that went to it, I believe. Yeah, well, it was when Ronaldo Vieira stood out. It was the first time I saw him play. Yeah, uh, I didn't go to that one, though. Casey, can, oh, you, remember, can you remember Tosin Aradabayo, their centre-half? Yes. Who looked like the best young centre-half I've seen in years in that game. He looked unbelievable. I think he's played two first-team yeah. games. Yeah, he, he looked uh, he looked like a world-beater that day. He's the prime example of players not coming through to me. Because the second I saw... And don't get me wrong, I'm not a professional scout. I don't know that much. But watching that guy, he was a, he was a standout. And he needed to be playing first-team football immediately. And I don't even think he's had a loan spell. I don't think he's done anything. I, I think you can use... Um, Chelsea, especially as a With the 48 example, players out on loan. Yeah, I mean it, it's pathetic. You know, you, you, you've got players like Lewis Baker, good young English player, good midfielder. I mean, he's at Middlesbrough. Yeah, he's gone on the bowler this year. Um, you know, and he just keeps getting farmed out on loan. We've got Chalaber, who's been farmed out everywhere. I mean, he's he's, he's gone to Watford now and. You've got Loftus Cheek. Who I could go on, you know. I mean, we've got Barfoot, you, we've got Barfoot Jackson. Yeah, you but know, when you the, look the, at those Chelsea players, all of those midfielders, mm. they're all shipped out on loan. What does it say for the sixteen-year-old kid who's got to not only get past the players in the first team, he's got to get past them six players out on loan. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, and this I think I, I think it's the point. KC, we're getting it. It's all well and good, you know. And I think the family, the, these kids' families. Um, have got to play some, and there's got to be some sort of common sense comes into play. I mean, I, I, I'm saying that, but you know, I'm sure we'd all say, you know, if at 15, 16 years old, you know, we all had the opportunity to go to a Chelsea, a Man City, God forbid, even a Man United. And I you know, know that they say that pl- that parents don't get paid any money and stuff for these transfers, do. but we all know they do. Everyone knows they do. Now, I feel I feel confident not even saying allegedly. Now <laughs> you see when this happens, I mean, yeah, I mean it's all well and good. You know, you can turn around. Oh, you know, I've got the best of the best. I've got all the facilities. I've got the best coaches, supposedly. You know, but. What's it all count for though? If you end up five years down, like I mean, look at the two that left us, Taywo Ma- and Michael Woods, Michael Tom Taywo. You look at them both now; they've done nothing with their careers. Last I heard, Woods were at Hartlepool and Taywo was at Hibs. Or yeah. I think he's moved again now. He might Co- have done. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, if I am wrong, you know, let us know. But I think he's moved again, and I want to say Ross County, but I could be totally wrong on that. But Last I know for definite, it would at Hibs. And you just look at it and you think, I'm uh, not saying... Sorry, Tom Tywo is at Falkirk. I just Falkirk. Googled it. And you, I, I thought he'd had a move for Hibs. But either way, I mean, you, you, you look at them both now and you just think, uh, you know, they may not have made great at Leeds, but, you know, they've gone and wasted, you know, the younger years, sat in Chelsea's academy doing nothing. And, you know, it's amounted to, to me, what could have been a good career wasted. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's fair to say that that was a little bit of a sidetrack. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in case you don't remember, what I was saying is Craig Dean, Oxford United head scout, <laughs> is our new head of emerging talent. Good uh, acquisition. Yeah, good acquisition, yeah. and we're all pleased with it. There was a bit of bitterness from us from having so many players. I can't remember his name, but I think we lost another one to Man United over summer, a young goalkeeper. But I can't remember his name. The last one that sticks out really is Luke Garbutt. Yeah, Luke Garbutt going to Everton yeah. was an annoying one. 
Him and uh, yeah, but it's at one least, of them. At least with Everton, though, you can kind of think, well, they do have a good track record. Yeah, he's got a good club. Plays into their first team, so you'll hold your hands and go, yeah, fair enough. He will probably get at least a bit of a chance. Yeah, not not to get back into this again. No, but yeah, uh, well, we've only two games to preview this time because uh, of the international break and stuff. Phone is recording schedule off. Uh, well, although just looking at Twitter, we might as well mention it. Uh, apparently, Rhinos are going to parade the trophy on Saturday at Ellen Road before the game. Good. Slash at half time. Probably at half time's more likely. Yeah, good. There's a bit of work being done in the wedding list, so. Yeah. Yeah, they need to do it somewhere, and probably of the ones that like rugby, 75% of the people there will probably be Rhinos fans. So. Yeah. No, oh, good. Fair play. Yeah. It's nice that they've got a mention, and it's nice to see you. Yeah. Elite team doing well. Good for them. And it's. And it's something I couldn't care about in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> hey, KC, you've been to a Rhinos game. I've been to two and nearly had my head taken off on one. I shouldn't have opened my mouth. Should have been, that could have been so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, he had a good, uh, as, we, as we say over here in the States, he had a nice tight spiral on it as well. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one out there for people to make of that one the will. <laughs> A nice tight spiral. Well, I, when I was in Amsterdam, I think that was 25 quid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, from a personal point of view, I aren't bothered about the trophy being presented because I'm a cast fan. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll just depress me again. <laughs> but uh, moving on to the important sport. Not the this, one that matters now. Not this egg-chasing thing with it's stupid, you win the league and then don't win the league. <laughs> oh, here comes the bitter I'm not fun. bitter, I swear. <laughs> I swear I'm not bitter. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, uh, first game, next this coming Saturday, Reading at home. They're like 20th. I haven't been going all that well. Uh, they've got, they've signed a few this season. They've got Mo Barrow and we know how good he is. No, no, in all fairness now to Mo Barrow, in the Premier League, he's a good player. Yeah. <laughs> Drop him down a league. Ah, no, no, for none of this malarkey. Yeah. They've got that Tyler Blackett, who I, I'm assuming he's still on loan from Scum, but they might have signed him. I don't know, you know, I, I'm not sure. I know he went on loan to Celtic, but I don't know if Celtic made it permanent. I, I don't know. Mm. I just know he was at Celtic for a year or two. Uh, yeah, I'm just having a glance at the squad now. Uh, Gareth McCleary. Good player. Who Likes playing against us. Always does well against us. <laughs> They've got Leandro Bacuna off Villa, who isn't that good, but he's a hell of a set-piece taker. Yeah. So he'll be good. David Edwards from Wolves, he's, he's got a good record against us. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Quinn's a decent player. Yeah. Uh, that Liam Kelly, that youngster, he's good. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, they're raving about him out there. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I've got a few. Who have I got from? They got sh- paid like seven and a half million for Sean Ialuko, didn't they? Good player in this league. Yeah. Really good player in this league. Yeah, he was in. Yeah, he got kept in pocket by Conor Shaughnessy though when we played Fulham. He did, to be fair. But on the all, he's, he's not. He's, he can, he's pretty dependable in this league, I'd say, as a Luca. Yeah, Modu, uh, Barrow, who we've already talked about. Uh, Jan Kermigan always seems to do all that against us. Yeah, no, he's another one. He's at this level. He's, he's a good player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've got. I I don't know if they've actually adopted the Arsenal song for him, but they've got Vito Minoni in goal, haven't they? Yes, they have, yes. Who, that's one of my favourite football songs, the uh, Chesney Hawks one. <laughs> you are Vito Manone. <laughs> Can't take that away from you. <laughs> I don't think I'd want it given. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
but uh, no, they've had a they haven't had a great start at all, have they? I think they've got the uh, losing playoff finalist syndrome, haven't they? We can talk. We we, we can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I fully expect us to bounce back in this one. What, uh, I, I'm. I, it, for me, this this is the sort of game where we've spoke about uh, Vidal being a bit shaky and defence, you know, not being as confident as they have been. This should be the perfect opportunity in front of what I believe is a near-on sellout. Uh, I think it is sold out now. Um, uh, I bought tickets for my dad and his mate and we had to get restricted view because there weren't any others left. So, you know, to me, this is perfect opportunity now. Fans behind them, you know, let's forget the couple of games that we've just had, move on from it. And for me, I, I'd fully expect us to bounce back and bounce back well with this one, especially with it being at Ellen Road. Uh, yeah, their, their last game, they got beat at home by Norwich, didn't they? Yeah, and Norwich been, this year. Norwich have been great this season. Uh, the Reading are weird. They've got a decent squad, but they haven't really looked like much. No. And I hate Yapstam. Well, God, remember them last year. God, they were boring. Yeah. They, they literally didn't they have something like seventy percent possession, but they were in our half for like literally twenty percent of the yeah, entire it, ninety minutes. It was something daft, like they had seventy percent possession, had like three shots. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was like watching England. Yeah. <laughs> I know that it, it sort of built a little rivalry at last season, going in, when we played them away after that game. The fact that. Because they kind of saw it as a smash and grab for a, what they say we're a one team player. Yeah, that's a right. one team player, not a one man team, but a one team player. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks. Thanks for agreeing with me, though, Connie. That was nice of you. I was going to overlook it, KC, but yeah, <laughs> fuck it, you were wrong. It's not yeah. that he just doesn't listen to you when you speak. <laughs> yeah, very much a, a one man team in their eyes, and. Because I, I, I'm pretty sure I went to that game with you where they were just passing it across the back four for most of that game. That's where they got their possession from. Didn't do anything with it. It had a couple of chances, but the whole the whole philosophy of how you know keep the ball tight, either trying to tire us out or wait for the right opening, it just never came along. And then Chris Wood scored like he did pretty much every other game last season. Yeah, I've also just noticed that their captain is Paul McShane. God. Who I've never rated. <laughs> Jesus. If, if any of you haven't, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there is a compilation video on YouTube somewhere called like Paul McShane, the world's greatest footballer, and it's really funny. <laughs> I it, I'm assuming it's still on there somewhere. I think I got shown it when I was at uni. By because he was at Hull at that point and one of my mates was a Hull fan, and I think he showed me it. But God, it was really funny. Uh but we may as well go straight into his predictions. Connie, what do you reckon? 2-0 leads. I, I fully expect them to bounce back. I expect an attacking performance from them. I think that sort of team where, especially at the moment, confidence is low. Get at them, get size on the ball, get running at them, bring Alioski, bring Hernandez into it. Um whoever they decide to go with in centre as well. I was just going to say, once we've done this because personally I'm going to say 2-1 late yeah KSA what's go I'm going to say 1-0 and I'm, I'm basing that mostly on I'm looking at their goal difference it's only minus 3 you know they're not they're not actually conceding that many they're just mm. not scoring any either so I, I'm going to yeah that's what I'm going to go with alright well uh, we've already talked about the defence we've talked about the keeper 
it'll be Lissaka up front if he's fit. Yeah. Uh, but the main thing is, would you change the midfield too? Yeah. I'd pers- I know O'Kane didn't have a great game. Uh, well, he had an awful game. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> all of this is if everyone's fit. Yeah. Um, but with Vieira, I believe he didn't travel, did he, to, with any international duties or like no, that? No, uh, neither did, did Janssen, for what it's worth. He stayed back as well. So you'd like to hope that them two will be definitely firm. And for me... Given the couple of games that he's had recently, um, I'd maybe give Phillips a rest. I won't. I don't want to use the the term drop him because up to the last couple of games he's been brilliant. But I just think if you've got the two young players there, like you have with Vieira and Phillips, I, I don't think rotating him is necessarily a bad thing. Um, I'd keep O'Kane in um, for now because I know when Click has played, he's it's been alright it's done nothing wrong but it's not it's hardly pulled up any trees so I'd stick with them too but the the one I'd focus on really it, again if I, if everyone's fit I'd drop an eater well Berardi came in didn't he for the last couple of games yeah. and to be honest he didn't do that well either he didn't but I'd still stick with Berardi for now yeah See how he goes. Notice how none of us are mentioning Cameron Borthwick Jackson's name. It's really annoying that because yeah, in, it fe- in theory he should be our first choice left back, hmm. but he's just not played well enough to justify it. I don't think he's particularly not wrong, has he? It's Except just... Burnley. Burnley away was awful. Yeah, Burnley away, but I but mean that's the last time he played. Yeah, but I mean up to them. I mean when he's played hmm. in cup and when he's he's been in league and that, it, it's done nothing wrong. You know, it's just a case of. You know, I know it sounds daft saying it after the last couple of weeks, but he's. I think it just shows a good strength in depth that we've got. So I don't think that's you know hope for Barfoot Jackson to be bothered about as such. But I'd I'd keep Berardi in there. I won't bring Anita back in. No, no for for what it's worth, I agree with you on the midfield too. Yeah. Uh, I I I think it's time for Vieira to come back in. And I wouldn't drop Ian Nokane because as awful as he was against Chef Wednesday, I think he's our best midfielder. On his days, he's one of I think he's one of the best in his position in this league. On his day, I think he is that good. Yeah. I, I I'd be happy to stick with uh O'Kane and Phillips. You know, they've had a bit of a break. Um I I'm a very big Calvin Phillips fan and uh, you know, I know people there's quite a few people who aren't as into him as I am, but there's some people um, who think he's absolutely u- useless. You'd think he had one leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think what it is with him is the last couple of games, it, it's kind of been, I mean, I know obviously he didn't see the Wednesday game, but it, it just, I, I won't say he's, he looks void of any confidence at all. I think that'd be harsh on him, but I just think it's time to, you know, maybe take him out at pitch, or take him out at firing line for a couple of weeks and give Vieira a run and, uh, it's, that's why I say I wouldn't say drop him because I think that's harsh to him because he has been good this season. Yeah, um, I mean the one the one thing I, I would say to to agree with you guys is that from what I saw of Vieira last season, um, I, I do like I do like Vieira. I think he's a very good player and he has had uh, a lot fewer opportunities so far this season. So I think it is maybe worth giving him a go just try and put him into contention a bit more for a first team place just try and create a little bit of competition in there yeah and then the the following saturday we won't do leicester because in theory we should record again before that yeah uh bristol city away 
tough tough game at a place where we do not have a great record no uh, and their last few results they're on form at the moment but yeah. still they uh, put well, together quite a I've just, uh, just their September 1-0 win away at Reading great result 3 all away at Wolves Wolves are a good side 4-1 no, no win over Derby 2-0 win over Stoking Cup 0-0 away at Norwich 2-0 win over Bolton 3-1 win away at Ipswich that's a belting result that is that away that is, at Ipswich that's a belting result that is some serious form is that uh, Aidan Flint, who was linked to us all summer, won Championship Player of the Month. Uh, they've, and they are fourth in the league, just above us. We've, on goal difference. I've touched on this with you especially, Jack. Um, we have got a token Bristol City fan at my work. Um, he, he is from there, obviously. Um, and he can't sing um, the team's praises highly enough at the moment. Um and to be fair to him, when you look at that and, you know, you hear that, it is going to be a tough game. Um, it's an odd one with Bristol City. I mean, they always see, they're a bit like Ipswich, aren't they? They seem to always sign what, what you would deem as decent players, but they never really seem to win it off, do they? Mm. Um but yeah, this year they, they seem to be, you know, putting together, I mean, they could easily drop like a stone. It is that unpredictable with them but when they get a run together like that it, yeah, tough game yeah they've like you say they have got a decent squad I, I, I quite like um, Corley Woodrow liked him from his time at Fulham mm. yeah um, he's kind of like Sam Gallagher I've always thought he looked decent yeah there's some up there isn't there and they have uh, the man with the most common name in English football over the last few years there's another Matty Taylor yeah. yeah, he's the one they got off Bristol Rovers, isn't he? Yes, he's a good player. Yeah, uh, they've got that Callum O'Dowder as well, the Irish kid. Oh uh, yes, yeah, they have got him. Haven't they? Who's a uh, he's rated quite highly. And they've got the uh, the French. I, I'm gonna say French. Uh, the striker they've got, I think he's come from the same club as what they got uh, Jonathan Codger from. Um, uh, Deirdre, is it? Yes, that's the one. I want to say he, French. He is uh, Senegalese. Senegalese. Yeah. Uh, French speaking. Yes, we'll go with that. <laughs> but, um, you know, and he's looked the part so far. He's knocked in a couple of goals. So th- th- there is a threat there from him, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, they've got Jamie Patterson as well. He's decent. Yeah. Been in this league for a while, hasn't he? Uh, Gary O'Neill. Yeah, I know he's, he's, getting aging, on, but he's, he's getting on a bit. But yeah, he'll still be able to pink ball around quite good, you'd imagine, in this league. Oh, uh, I didn't realise they've got him. Uh, they've got Jonathan Lecko on loan from West Brom. That's a good sign. He's lightning. I mean, they've lost Lee Tomlin, haven't they? Who they all seem to rate quite... I personally didn't like him. Loads of technical ability. He just can't run. Not, as qu- not quick enough. Um, they have lost him, but I mean, when you're talking over some of the players that they've got in there, like Lecko... Mm. It's not like they haven't replaced them, is it? Probably no. better. <laughs> no, and I mean, they've got... Obviously, we've mentioned Aidan Flint. They've got Joe Bryan. He's a good left-back. And who's the... Um, is it Magnussen, the Icelandic? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. That does sound right. Yeah, they've got an Icelandic centre-half who my mate at work seems to... Rate. Hodor Magnussen. Yeah, Hodor, yes. Hodor Magnussen. My mate, my mate at work rates him like... Not up there, you know. He's not saying he's better than. He's Janssen. like very Janssen. Yeah, he puts him that highly in yeah. in the pecking order of defenders in that league. Yeah. So they've got two solid goalkeepers as well. Uh, for, they've got Frank Fielding and uh, Luke Steele. Yeah, 
two Tony solid Dola's enough keepers been in that league majority of the careers aren't they yeah mm. uh, but yeah this will be a tough one I'd take a point yeah if you offer me a point now it's not be hand off provided we get the result against Reading obviously a lot depends on how we turn up against Reading if this might be the game where I do what I may well have been tempted to do against Wednesday as well and I might not play a number 10 no and just play an extra centre mid at least at the start and I know that Sai's best position is number 10 but I, I wouldn't drop him I'd just move him out to the left yeah I, I still think he can be effective out there yeah he'd still be able to do it yeah I wouldn't go as far as to say let him roam I'd just like you say give him a set position because I still think running I mean who is their right back do we know uh, their right back I know the left back's Joe Bryan isn't it is it that Pisano possibly so you know you, but you'd like to think against most full backs in this league Sayers will cause them trouble yeah I uh, but yeah I'd, I'd I'd be a bit tight at the start of this and I'm going to say I'm going to go one apiece uh, I think I will probably agree with the result I'm actually going to go 2-2 on that one I'm going to be optimistic on this one. And I think I'm that confident about the Reading game that will bounce back really well. I think we're going to nick it. I think we'll be under Kosh for most of it and I think we'll hit him on break and I think we'll nick it 1-0. Cool. Uh, speaking of nicking 1-0 wins away from home, just some news for Concannon. Wales nil, Republic of Ireland won full time. Lovely stuff. So Ireland have made the playoffs. Lovely stuff. Yeah, just thought I'd mention that to Concannon because he would be really pleased. <laughs> oh no, as you know, hopefully there'll be a nation that qualify for the World Cup. You know that I actually cared about. <laughs> <laughs> James McLean as well. <laughs> are you not? Are you not bothered that England qualified for the World Cup? With a with a one 0 victory. Listen, listen. I, I I couldn't be happier that England have qualified for World Cup. It's when morons. It's, we it, all could be happier. It's, <laughs> it's when morons jump on though, you know, because they've been unbeaten against Lithuania and Slovakia. You know, they should be unbeaten. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the same thing will happen, and people may jump on me back for this. That if they make it out at group. They'll get someone half decent and they might as well just put the plane ticket home. Simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> as you can tell. I wouldn't mind, but you look at how, at least under Capello, say, when we qualified for that World Cup, we breezed through that qualifying campaign. You know, you know, it was actually half decent to watch. We were knocking a fair few goals past teams. I was looking through the scores since Gareth Southgate took over. And... It's ridiculous that we're struggling to these draws and one nil wins against these teams. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I know we're not meant. You know, we all we're all aware that as a country we're nothing to bang on about these days. But Jesus Christ, we're struggling to beat the most average of teams in Europe now. A 96th minute winner against Slovakia. That I mean, I didn't watch either of the two games. I didn't watch the Slovakia game and Lithuania, I'll be honest with you, I was sat playing FIFA. That's how much I cared about that game. Um, can, you remember, can you remember how much we t- t- uh, made fun of Scotland when they got that late draw? Yeah. And they celebrate. We've, we've be- you know, qualified in the most boring of ways 
and you and you saw the players looked so happy with themselves. And if you know, you look at that team, and I appreciate there was a few players missing. God, it was just miserable. We've got a boring manager, though. Let's be honest. I mean, you look at Gareth Southgate and what he did at Middlesbrough and stuff. It, it, it's just a. There's just nothing there with him. I mean, people going about Roy Hodgson, to me, we've just got a younger version of him. He's just boring. He's one-dimensional. There's just nothing there with him. And it sounds... He did take them to UEFA Cup final. Also got him relegated. <laughs> Within three years. Yep. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you both this, because I, I was looking at it yesterday. What do you think was Gareth Southgate's win percentage in his time at Middlesbrough? <laughs> It started well and then gone down, really downhill. Yeah, I'm going oh. to take a shot at 34. I'm going to say 42. Oh, Connie, that is optimistic. Go on. Uh, when I was looking, it was 29%. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is a man now who we're looking at going, yeah, he can lead the country. Why not? Let's get him in. That Between that and his under-21s experience, that secured him the England job yeah but he's not going to try and he's not going to give away secrets while down in a pint of wine good old Sam (laughs) (laughs) anyway that'll do for the podcast I'll go down a pint of wine (laughs) no uh, yeah this has been the Mighty Whites podcast we're at Mighty Whites pod on Twitter Uh, the podcast also goes up on through it all together where you'll find the stuff we write that's at T-H-I-U it all L-U-F-C we're on Twitter on, yeah, I've already done that. I didn't mean Twitter. What I meant to say was iTunes, but fuck it. Yeah, on iTunes, we're, we're on, on Stitcher, we're on YouTube, we're everywhere in the world. Tell everyone that this podcast's really good. And always remember, we started a podcast, we were top of the league. The square ball comes back and we get beat two games in a row. It's their fault. Thanks very much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Cheers. Take that, square ball. Shots fired. <laughs>